This is Restless. Welcome back to Restless, a postmortem on the young, restless, and reformed, covering some current, current day stuff here in in the ashes of the YRR of New Calvinism. I am your host. I almost said Pastor Matt Klein, which is how I introduce myself in person a lot. Um, I don't introduce myself on the podcast that way. Perhaps I should now that I am uh, in a local church ministry, church planning ministry, but I am joined by the person I always call Pastor Michael. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Matt. Yeah, I, you know, Mondays are such an interesting day for me. They're just full of all kinds of stuff. And so I've got to do some worship planning and we're preparing to to have uh, some uh, missionaries from Uganda through MTW that are going to be, uh, which is Mission to the World, which is the PCA's missions branch, um, coming uh, on Sunday. And it'll be the first time I get to meet them in person. The last time they came was shortly before, uh, I believe, I uh, even came to the church I'm currently at. So so that'll be really cool and got to do that. But then I'm also doing stuff like I was you know, trying to quick before some rain here move some chicken tractors and get those um, up by my house and then run quick to get on a podcast. So, I mean, this is, it's just an interesting day, you know, and it's fun. I like it that way. So Pastor Michael, it seems, um, it seems, unfortunately, there's been a a bit of a, a kick up amongst those who, who would actually make up the constituency of the people who would like our show, right? We're here in the post-mortem days of the Young, Restless, and Reform, thinking about our leaders that left us, whether that be Mark Driscoll, um, who I've been told by someone I go to, I haven't gone hard enough at ever, which that was a shocking, uh, that was a shocking statement, but I guess... We do, we do probably defend him more than some people, defend certain things about him, I should say, but we've gone pretty hard. Maybe people haven't heard it all because some of it's on behind the Patreon wall, yeah. like that's... Like there have been times where we, where we even say, man, we have been a little soft and we go hard. So I don't know. Um, Or, or the people that we have, um, uh, you know, when we were talking about all the people, not um, talking about the need for uh, pushback on closing churches, right? How shocking people were during that time um, years ago when things were going woke, why the articles from TGC are so strange, right? There's a, there's a growing group of young men of people like us, um, now young men listening to us now, like, oh, these things are still happening. And I'm now just joining in to Calvinism and these things. And those of us who, um, probably the people who listen to us moved to more confessional settings, but some people left all this behind, right? Well, amongst this group of us, who are still huddling in, in some corner of conservative Calvinism. Um, we, there's a, we often fight. Um, and it seems that there are some uh, lines being drawn. And now I will note something. Today we are not doing uh, the Trinity, which would be an, we are not doing Thomas Aquinas, which we could do another time. We have had someone ask us to discuss natural theology, which we do plan on doing. Um, trying to discuss that. Um, but I, I want, here's why I want to do this. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to put a lot of lead on this before we get to uh, get to the topic here, because there's something, there's a, there are two things that I think I've learned 
since I've become not just confessionally Presbyterian, but as in Presbyterian in practice and in my membership, um, and then even being part of a presbytery. One, the the Presbyterian methodology of handling conflict annoys a lot of people that are used to how conflict is handled online. Right. And I actually think when we are trying to handle a conflict amongst people that would have so much in common, I would like to say everyone needs to take a moment and learn from how Presbyterians handle conflict, which was very surprising to me personally. Now I'll just say it right. When I would, uh, um, Right. This is one of the reasons. And there are then there were problems with this, with the revoice controversy in the PCA. Many people on the outside were throwing lots of rocks at how bad the PCA looked, how badly they were handling this, how this was clear they were going liberal. And I'm not saying all of those accusations couldn't be true. Right. But what I'm saying is. There was a failure to to appreciate and perhaps it could be broken. There's a, a very Presbyterian way of handling these kinds of conflicts that I actually think would be helpful to at least understand yeah. what we're doing. We can decide when it's right or wrong. That's fine. I'm not claiming it's always right. Yeah. But two, I also hope to help the young men listening who may someday join Pastor Michael's church or walk into a church plant and go, dude, I can't wait to be part of this church plant where we're going to we're going to put on blast like you know, this thing. And I'm here to like, you know, like, and you're like, well, we don't, we're not really doing any of that. And, <laughs> and then you have, you have learned from online discourse. Well, that means this pastor is a soft, worthless man who won't stand up for anything. Yeah. And it's, it's actually because, and there can be a time where it goes too far. Let me say it a million. I'll keep probably saying it throughout this whole thing. There's a place where it can go too far, um, but the fact of them working in a collegial manner, which we'll describe, um, is not itself a sign that they are a soft man who's a coward and has given in to the cultural pressures of the world. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, I mean, giving people an out. So this is one of the dangers of online discourse is it almost never gives people an out. Like there's there's almost never a chance to truly like, like this sounds bad, but save face and not, not save face in the sense that people should repent. Um, but even if somebody is to actually uh, apologize and repent, unfortunately, most people have learned that when it comes to online discourse, if somebody calls you out, the best thing you can do is not apologize because the moment that you apologize, that's used against you and thrown in your face and used to attack you even more. All right, so the, in other words, there's no actual chance of making things right in some way. And, and people just go after you to no end. And so um, this, I mean, this is just not what you see uh, of the character of even of God in scripture. A lot of guys like to point out the wrath of God and the judgment of God and, and, and how, how fierce he is with his enemies. And that's true and right. Uh, but usually they, they, you know, think of their petty anger and their petty attacks, um, the kind of petty attacks of, of men, probably mostly who have my compassion because most of them probably grew up without a father and they're just trying to find some kind of masculine voice. And, um, and that's hard. I get that, man. That's like, that's a tough place to be. 
Um, but you end up alienating everybody because you think, oh, I just, I just get to attack. I just get to fight. And that's what it means to be a man. That's what it means to stand up for Christ. But what is it? I mean, just think about what God does with Israel, how patient he is, how long suffering he is, how long he waits. Think about how compassionate and slow to anger Christ is with Peter. Mm-hmm. I, you can't read that story. And like, if, if, we were trying to construct uh, a portrait of Christ from online discourse of, of the Theo bros, shall we say, of whom I love, by the way. I like these guys. Even the guys that go really hard and like they can get pretty nasty online. These are actually the people that I like. Like if, if these are the kind of guys that I get in my church, that's what I want. I just, I want them if they're willing to humble themselves under authority. But if they're willing to do that, man, we're going to take the world. Like we're going to take the gates of our enemies. That's awesome. Um, but if you're not willing to humble yourself, it won't work. But th- think, just try to construct a picture of Christ um, from the the character that you find in, you know, a Twitter discourse from Theo bros. Um, and, and imagine that same Christ that you get, uh, the picture you get painted of Christ from that, those interactions, how he would have handled someone like Peter. Right. Oh, you denied me. Look, he denied me. Like it would, he, he just would have like destroyed him. Right. And that's not what Christ does. That's not what he does. Uh, he, he's actually far more compassionate uh, and, and far slower to anger than we are. And, and so anyway, yeah, I, I think that it just, things, things fall apart when, when you think that you're truly this, you know, warrior for truth and, you know, Oh, pastors don't get it. They're all soft. And, and, and things like that. Well, that's true sometimes. That yeah. is true sometimes. And this is the the danger of our situation is that a lot of the critiques of those who really have no right to be critiquing anybody are true. Right. <laughs> and so, so it's like we're all a mess. Everything's bad. Um, and, and there's no one, like none is righteous, not even one. And, and so that's the position we find ourselves in. But anyway, that's I, I can. No, that, I, I can wait to say more when we get into what we're going to talk about. I think part of it is, and let me just and let me frame it this way. I'm about to say this as like well, everyone ever. I'll let the listeners who listen to us a long time at home yell. What figure in church history does Matt always point out as a very positive example? And he secretly wants to be when he grows up. The answer is Martin Luther. Right? <laughs> everyone at home was screaming that. But here's here's part of the problem. Um we need more models for like what faithful Christian men look like. We need more than Martin Luther, right? We need to like, we need to broaden our understanding of like what a man standing for God and his church look like beyond Martin Luther. Um, Because he, one, we see how with certain, the way he handled things actually was quite problematic at times Two. It's not always the hour of Martin Luther. Let's think about, let's go to um, Charles Hodge, right? Uh, The guys that, who were the old school Presbyterians, right? So think the conservative confessional Presbyterians and how mad the Southern Presbyterians were at them and called them the peacemen. Because what Charles Hodge was doing is what's the best way to accomplish confessional Presbyterianism is to take the center, work with both sides, and try and promote everything I can that will promote this direction of things, right? 
and and it, I will do that better if I don't blow up everyone around me, right? And Charles Hodge wrote on every issue under the sun, right? Like he he shared his opinions on everything, right? It wasn't that he was um, afraid to work on it, but part of it is he did his best. And again, this is a manly thing. He said the church of Jesus Christ is a good thing. Now we obviously know like my pastor, Michael and I, he was a Yankee, but he said, even this war should not divide Christ's people. If possible, let's find a way to have Christian unity during a war. That's manly. That's a good goal. Now it wasn't accomplished in the Presbyterian church in the United States um, during the civil war. But right, there's something altogether good about that and completely different than what, you know, like that's a we don't need Martin Luther in that moment. Right. We need someone else. Um, If we're going to have any kind of institutional ability that the new Calvinist leaders have, we have to have the ability to work with others in systems you know, and these kinds of things. But so Pastor Michael, that is our long intro. It was a long, it was a long intro. But this is but this is why I want to do it. More than this particular tweet being shared in every group that I'm in on Facebook with people saying, is this a good thing or a bad thing? I want to I just it's I just feel like uh I've I've been on this ride before and what my goal is is in 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 having us cover this isn't primarily for me to like come out hot and try and like um nuke someone or the other pastor michael may may see that as a called for that's fine but the thing that i think i want you to understand in a with the presbyterian mindset is try and understand what that side's concern is so whatever side of this you particularly feel most um, sympathetic to what I, what the exercise I want to do as we do this is try and think about what is it the other side thinks is going wrong. Why would they respond this way? Right. This is the the, right. When, when revoice was happening in the PCA, the best question you could ask if you wanted to put an end to revoice is, why are there men in the PCA that are slow to want to get rid of this or feel concerned about criticizing it? Answering that question is going to be a million times more fruitful than like another quotation of such were some of you. We must leave this like, like that, that wasn't going to get us moving together in the way we actually all pastor Michael and I completely agree. We need to move. Right. Am I making myself clear, Pastor Michael, or am I lost? Uh, yeah, you're clearly so weak, Matt. You're, I mean, you're, you're just uh, simping for the bad guys and tell us we all got to get along. What kind of hippie nonsense are you talking? It's going to get even worse. About <laughs> this post from Dr. Owen. Is it Strachan or? Strachan? I have no idea. I've heard so many people pronounce it different. I, I, I say Strachan, but we're going to no call- idea. Sorry, Owen, we're not calling you that, Dr. O. We're not calling you that because of uh, because we don't want to respect you or to throw shade at GPTS Seminary or whatever else. Um, but you, uh, he is a 
I, I mean, everybody probably listening to this podcast knows he is a Baptist theologian who was at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Um, he has now moved to this new, like, upstart Baptist seminary that was, like, founded as, like, we are going to be the not-woke Baptist school. Um, um, Owen has some strange views on the Trinity that we're not really getting into. But again, when this fight got going, all of this was on the table, including, I don't know if he's not tall, including his height was apparently <laughs> grabs in things to criticize. He, he looks like he could be a shorter guy. Which, There's a lot of great men that are shorter men, just for the record. I just, <laughs> I'm oh, not saying that to like dig on him. He just looks like he could be a small dude. Yep. And so, um, Dr. Uh, and he is part of G3. So this comes in the context of probably actually the article we talked about with the evangelical elite being gone. G3 as an entire ministry recently has decided that they think Christian nationalism, at least certain forms of it, are really bad and they are going to come out and they are going to make a lot of statements against it. But they are. Do you think, Matt, before we get into that, do you think that G3, so I am not a guy who has really followed or like known much about G3. I just don't. Um, And it's probably because it's pretty Baptist, right? It's all Baptist. Um, Is G3 kind of positioning itself to, to kind of move into that open space? that has been left for a lot of people, both from the gospel coalition, but also from together for the gospel. Cause that's what it seems from the outside. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that is what they are doing. Um, I think 100% they believe they're, and, and actually um, like they could take the center, right? They could be the new center in the way that those guys who started the gospel coalition together for the gospel thought that they would be a generation ago. Yes, yes. Back before I realized our podcast primarily is going to be the court jester of whatever comes next in the Reformed Church, I was like, we probably should be talking to people at G3 if we could, because I think they're probably the people that, like, G3 ministries will probably be, in many ways, what the Gospel Coalition was. Mm-hmm. Um, right, they've, they've started doing, like, they've started broadening the kinds of things they talk about. They now, like, post, like, literature reading lists right like so they're starting to get like beyond just like just specific theology right they're broadening things which tells me yes i think that's exactly what they're doing um they the difference though i think the part of the problem is that they're very denominational they're very baptist they're actually based primarily out of josh bice's church right so they're very like so which again a lot of the people who ended up not liking a lot of things about TGC, the ecclesiastical like connection is probably viewed as a strength. And it probably is. The problem is it causes people like pastor Michael to go, I'm, I'm probably never going to care about this really Baptisty thing. Now they have had people like Michael Kruger um, from RTS, right? Presbyterian speak, right? So it's not that they're opposed to all of that, but yeah. it's clearly based in, in a very Baptist subset. But Josh Bice, Owen, all of these guys have been making a number of attacks on Christian nationalism. They just had the G3 conference. Um, Owen, uh, man, I, I'm going to stop even pretending I can say his name. Um, Dr. O. Dr. O. Dr. O decided to do his opening 
uh, talk. It was going to originally be a refutation on Christian nationalism, but he decided to make it even more specific, a refutation of Christian kinism, which essentially means he was calling the people who support Christian nationalism kinists, mm-hmm. which is essentially the idea, like it's basically this idea that you should be against interracial marriage, that the ethnicities um, in God's world should remain separate, um, that that's an, that's an essential good. Obviously, this is an essentially horrible position. Now, Pastor Michael, maybe you've met, let's, let's, let's do this test. Have you ever met anyone who holds to that view at all? Literally never. Literally can't think of a single person that believed that. Yeah. So, um, with all that context, um, Owen, I, by the way, so this, uh, so I've met some young men who are pretty far into the like ethnic nationalist kind of stuff. Right. And in trying to interact with some of them and, and work with some of them and, and, uh, and share the gospel with some of them, I've listened to some like, f- like actually far right, not like what the media calls far right, but like actually far right. Uh, podcasts and things like that very minimally but just a little bit and even in some of these where these are guys who legitimately do believe hey like race mixing is bad right like you shouldn't you shouldn't marry somebody of of another race but even they were not like oh it can never happen like it's wrong period it was like well it's not ideal Uh, and like that's not to defend these guys at all but I'm just saying that even the like really extreme guys that I've actually heard, not just quoted, but like actually from their own lips, they were softer on this than what I often hear, you know. And and now let's all let me make another note just so it's clear on Pastor Michael's behalf, because because we're wading into this, we are just we're asking for it, which is <laughs> <laughs> this is your fault, man. I rest this podcast where I ask for it. Um yeah. Pastor Michael was interacting with them to get them out of this, right? Yeah, right. I'm not right. I'm not. A, I'm not a fan. Yeah. Um. I. You know. I think that. Um. You know. When you think about where this shows up in Scripture, when Aaron and Miriam are mad uh, with Moses for marrying uh, what seems to be a woman outside of the tribe, um, they get leprosy. So, or at least Miriam does, right? So, um, that's that's also my position. Like yeah. you deserve leprosy uh, if you are truly a kinist, mm-hmm. right? Like that's what you deserve. Now God is gracious and you can repent and, and be forgiven of that too. Um, I've never met anyone. But I've literally never met any of you. So so if you exist. Right. So here's the quote um, that, uh, that, that he said that I've seen shared in every group. And now what I want you to think I want you to ask yourself, is this a good thing or bad thing? Because that was the question in all the Facebook groups uh, and and online and online forums. I saw the shared in. is what he's saying good or bad. God does not love a merely white church in America. God loves a global people of all backgrounds and tribes. This is under fire today from different corners, but we confess it and will stand here come what may. God loves the global body of Christ. So, Pastor Michael, um, is 
so obviously the heart of this is and this this is what g this is from g3 right i'm i'm just using g3's tweet god does not love a merely white church right god loves his global body now pastor michael let me ask you um what what do you think about mr mr o's tweet here um, I don't know what you're trying to get me to say. I, I think you're just trying to get me into trouble. That's nope. what you're doing. Nope. No. So uh, on the one hand, um, I, I guess obviously, right. Or so like on the one hand, I think we all agree. I don't, again, I don't personally know anybody that disagrees with the idea that God's people are not made up of one particular ethnicity, one particular race, uh, if you want to use that term, um, that your uh, quote unquote blood and soil is not what makes you a member of the people of God. Um, that's all true. It's good. Um, that's right. That's biblical. Um, you're right. God's people are all over. The one thing that's weird about it, like, um, or that could be misconstrued, I think, is if he says, you know, God does not love a merely white church. Well, what if your church is all just people who are white? Yep. Is that is that an inherently bad thing? Like, there, is that ne necessarily sinful? Um, which you have to say, no, of course not. Right? There's going to be places where the population is such that you're just you're going to have a church that's primarily people who are white. And that's not a problem. That's not bad. Um, obviously what I assume and to just, you know, I I'm, I'm just jumping in on this clip. Like I said, I've not watched any of this stuff. Um, I, I'm assuming that all that, that Dr. O is trying to do is to say, Hey, if you think that there are some people that are not fit for Christ because of their skin color, um, you're wrong. And we're not going to go along with that. Yeah. Um, that seems to me like a not, very brave thing to like that seems like such an obvious everybody agrees mm -hmm. i don't see who we're fighting with no. kind of a statement it seems like a shouldn't all the world be proud of me kind of a statement so when he says we'll stand here come what may yep. from like what are you standing against i i agree that that's a fine idea in and of itself um when you like if based on what i assume he means by it but if if that is what you mean by it, I think you're just saying what everybody agrees with. Right. Now, we're going to come back to the reason people would ridicule what he said. And one of them is very much the reason you just uh, you just indicated. Right. Uh, kind of the bravado that it's said with. Right. That I'm going to I'm going to be taking lots of fire for saying this. <laughs> um, we'll come back to that. But first, I want to come back to what, like, if you're a person that, like, here he goes, this, this guy, he, you know, this is a bad guy, you know, and lots of people have ridiculed, right, what he's, what he said here, um, and this idea in general. I want to say two things. One, I want to do what, what I think a Presbyterian would do, which is one, asking, why would he actually, why would he want to say this, right? When it comes to this conflict he and G3 are having with Christian nationalism. Two, I want to describe the worst possible reaction you could have to him saying it. 
So let me let me do it in reverse order. Here's the worst possible reaction you could have to him saying it, even if you are on the other side of whatever this conflict is that they're all fighting about, right? Ridiculing this. That is the worst possible reaction because do you know what that does? One, you have decided I am the villain. Like, like you've just you've decided I'm taking the side of the villain. Like, I'm going to for the sake of owning someone who I I'm going to call woke and a lib, I am going to, I am going to willingly associate with a position. I probably don't hold. I'm going to ridicule it. And then I'm going to try and spend a million years explaining why I did so. That's a bad thing. Like we, it, it's just such a bad look. It's a bad way to handle something that is, categorically and obviously true from the bible right even if as we'll come to well it's all about fake bravado and all this we can come to those we can come to those concerns and we will but i just i think we just need to say like categorically you ridiculing this is the worst move if you disagree with um secondly the question we should ask is why would he say this now, Pastor Michael, I wrote down to the best of my ability what I think would motivate him to say this. Like, in, and again, I'm trying to write this in a way that if I read this to him, he would go, yeah, that sounds like what I'm I'm doing. And so guess what? It's not going to be. I was paid to say this to take down, you know, these morons or whatever. Uh, here's what it is. Owen thinks that Christian nationalism and its interest in preserving western culture by putting christ back at the center of it or at the center for the first time inherently is out of step with the gospel's call to get all nations and all peoples to follow him right that this like this emphasis they're putting on national identity preserving this western culture making that focus on christ um is just inherently out of step with the the view we should have of the body which he's which he's trying to communicate here do you think that i am um do you think that i am i'm i'm at least close to like what he would like how a person actually feeling this kind of threat feeling like they should say this feeling like they need to discuss this um do you think i'm close to where where they're probably coming from yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. I think that's the most generous way that you can present what his position must be, right? I, I think that's the most generous way. I've seen, I, although I haven't seen these videos necessarily, I have seen less generous takes of course. On, on why he's doing this. Um, and just for the record, I think the way that, that um, Owen particularly has handled himself online and in public at this point um, does not necessarily lend itself to the most generous take, right? Like the the way that he has handled himself um, does not make me think he's actually a guy looking to sit down at the table with people he disagrees with, but are within the body of Christ and try to come to some kind of resolution. It does not seem like he's actually willing to do that. And he we, wants to be the guy that takes the stand and says, rah, rah, this is what we think. And in response to that, and even before Owen was even in the picture, there's plenty of guys on the, you know, so-called Christian nationalist side that are doing that too, right? Like they're all, everybody's like, well, I'm the Martin Luther. I'm the guy taking a stand. I'm the guy that's going to say the hard truths and look at me. Like, aren't I brave? 
And very few people are willing to actually just sit down and say, well, let's talk through like why we disagree, what this is all about, um, which I do think you're right. I think would be the more Presbyterian way of handling things. Yes. So I agree that virtually everyone involved that like I'm not proposing this because suddenly people are going to like try this. Um, so Pastor Michael, then then the question I have to you is, do you think um, do you think an emphasis on a, a national identity, even a Christian national identity, do you think that does pose a problem to the 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 body of Christ now? Because again, we can say, okay, I see what mo is motivating you. We can still think that that's wrong or right, right? Or there could be some part of that. Like, yeah, taken to a certain point, maybe that could be something that's happening. Can you show me an example of, like, we could ask all kinds of questions of it. Yeah. But do you think that, like, um, do you think that this kind of national identity, um, this, this uh, a, a kind of a political activism, do you think that that does get in the way of this value which we would say which we've both already agreed categorically true right yeah yeah i don't so i don't really think so or at least i don't think it's as big of, of, a, of a threat as it's it's often made out to be not because it's not possible right is it possible i think a better way to maybe even ask it would be is it possible for christians to idolize their nation mm. their place well, of course, right? Is it possible for Christians to idolize the state? Yes, obviously, that happens all the time. Uh, but it's also possible, much to my chagrin to even say it because of all of the TGC articles that, uh, you know, uh, quoted and say this kind of stuff all the time. Is it possible to idolize your family? Mm. Of course it is. Of course it's possible to do that. Is it possible to idolize your children? Of course, it's possible to do that. Does that make it um, less good to have children, less good to, to have a wife, a spouse? Does it make it less good to have a family? Of course not. Of course, that wouldn't, that wouldn't stop anything. So in other words, the fact that a, a, a true and good love or loyalty to something could be taken to an extreme, in which case it becomes idolatrous, does not in any way teach us whether or not that pursuit, that thing in itself is good or not, mm. right? It doesn't actually tell us that because we can twist almost anything to become a kind of idolatrous love rather than, than a true and biblical love um, where it's properly ordered under the love of God. So as we're talking about something like, this is why I say everybody, and everybody does this. I'm not defending any one party, any one group, uh, but like there is clearly uh, not the most generous take being applied to those who are on more uh, of a Christian nationalist side. And, you know, specifically those who are in the like reformed world, right? That's what we're talking about. The reformed, whether it be Presbyterian or Baptistic world, like we agree on a lot of stuff. To have some guys within our ranks who are saying, we think this is the proper kind of next step in our understanding of political theology and where we should go next. Here's some practical things that we could do that would be good. Um, you can disagree with those things, but to read that as inherently racist or inherently kinist or something like that, that's a 
that's a problem to me. Now, have I seen online actually racist people like interacting in these groups? Yep. Yeah, 100, 100%. I know they exist. I don't know how real some of them are, right? Because there's, I know that there's a lot of probably just like teenage boys that are in these movements and they're, they have these anonymous, you know, characters and they're like, they say things that they wouldn't actually say in real life and they wouldn't actually do in real life. They just say it. And I know people really hate that. And I, it's not good. It's not right. Um, but I like, I've known a lot of teenage boys in my life who say crazy things and they don't like, they never act on it. They aren't going to do it. They just do that sometimes. And so I want to have a little bit of grace even in this area. Um, but I know you're not supposed to, you're, I mean, you're not supposed to have grace in, in that particular direction. Right. Yeah. Cause basically what you're saying, if I can put a finer point on it with your analogy to the family is there is a way that I could, um, promote my nation or do take political action that would devalue parts of the church, the body of Christ, um, could make, um, you know, could um, could at either practically or even on like a conviction level get in the way of the the nature of the body of Christ as the universal uh, the universal body of Christ across the world. There's a way to do that, um, but having a family or um, you know, like having political action within my nation doesn't necessitate that, right? No, right. Very ob almost obviously, I would think. I, I or it should be obvious. Uh, I'm not sure it is. And part of that too probably comes because, in part, I'm coming from a Presbyterian right. side of things, and I know in a Baptistic world, the whole view of like government, politics, um, anything like that is going to be very different, um, or at least historically. You know, thinking about a historic Baptist understanding of the state and of government. Um, I just think that there's going to be a very, a very different view on these things. And so part of what I decided to do is again, right. And if they're promoting a certain kind of national identity, action, political scheme that would get in the way of it, the way to critique that would be here is what you're doing. That's going to violate this thing. We actually all agree on as in, God loves the church in everywhere in the world, not just in America. Here's the thing you're promoting that violates that. Not, I stand here, you stand there, right? And so one thing- Here I, I stand, I can do no other. <laughs> so here is, um, I went to the statement on um, Christian nationalism in the gospel, which I don't know what who was involved in putting that online. I have- debated on if we should go through that and decide what of it agrees with the um, Westminster Confession of Faith and what doesn't. Um, but this is part of the thing that I actually think made the G3 guys mad because they were instrumental in getting together the uh, social justice and the gospel statement a long time mm -hmm. ago. And these guys made uh, the group of guys online, they sourced this statement on Christian nationalism to like try and create a an online position people could look into. Um, and at least originally it, it seemed to format it very much after the statement on social justice and the gospel. And so they were very mad, like you're stealing our, our way of doing statements. And I think they even had to change the font because it was at one point too close, which lame stuff. But here are two statements they have on their denials 
about what they're describing when they talk about our emphasis on nation, our emphasis on Christianity and our nation, right? So here are a few things they said. We further deny that this um, that sovereign nations, as in not the organization, but nations that <laughs> political destiny, that sovereign nations must only we so we deny we further deny that sovereign nations must only be composed of mono ethnic populations to be united under God. Therefore, as Christian nationalists, we repudiate utterly sinful ethnic partiality in all its forms. Here's another one. We deny that seeking to maintain and assert national sovereignty has anything to do with pre prejudice against another ethnicity or nation. We deny that sinful ethnic partiality has any place in the church of Jesus Christ or in any nation that would want to honor him. On the contrary, a Christian nation must be impartial in all its judgments. So it would seem that they are indicating at least the principle Owen is saying we must all stand here on, they would say we don't, we actively deny any uh, violation of that principle, right, in our political action. We would condemn it when it comes around. Because as you say, online, there's always at least one crazy person willing to, right, willing to say they're with you. Now, Pastor Michael, I think we've attempted to give Owen a uh, a fair reading. Um, so if there are people that agree with G3, the work you need to do is you need to point out the specific places where they are denying it. And just wild accusations is not going to get it, um, aren't going to move us forward, aren't going to help. Um, I'm pretty impartial in this in this argument but if the response i get is but no they really are kinis that's i'm not going to be moved by it right. now secondly what i want to do for people who are completely with g3 they probably see maybe even they saw what owen said and then they saw the people that i have recommended not to do this do this go out and say i'm gonna i'm gonna ridicule what he said i'm going to disagree find a way to disagree with this um and go wow oh my goodness can you believe it like he's gonna be attacked for saying the church is to be made up of every tribe tongue and nation not just white people um what i want to explain to you is actually why people would be willing to like to insult him to to um, make accusations against him for for framing things this way. Now, I think the first one is the one that you've already brought up, Pastor Michael, and I don't know. You can decide if we need to talk about it anymore. This kind of fake courage that I'm about to say something I'm about. Right. When Martin Luther confessed justification by faith alone and said, here I stand, I can do no other. They said, great, we're sentencing you to execution. Right. <laughs> right. Very different scenario than everyone's going to go. Yeah, this is yeah, <laughs> yeah. We all agree. I mean, we. I thought that was just something we all thought already, <laughs> right? So, like, there is a, there is a, um, there is just a like. It does not look that strong, or like you're taking a bold stand when people think about what you're saying and go, "Wait, I mean, 
you just said something that literally everyone in the world is going to clap for. So I don't really know what to, you know, like, and you're, and again, when you're making it sound like I'm being a contrarian, I'm going to be attacked. Like my livelihood is on the line for saying this. Right. <laughs> um, right. Right. And especially when you're saying something that like, right. Like, maybe even saying that like let's say you go to the 1960s when all the churches are segregated now these people wouldn't have denied that truth either but at least you're saying it into an audience where some idea of separation segregation um a distaste for certain kinds of diversity existed right in modern western culture diversity is as we as as owen an anti-woke guy has said is celebrated to a point where it becomes a problem and an item, mm. right? So we're, we're not attacking, you know, you're not attacking anything. So people see the fake courage. Here's the second, here's the second thing. Um, And then we'll get to, I think the real reason it made people mad. Um, I think the problem is, and this, I'll use an example that isn't so hot. When we in the reformed world, when we debate, should we sing Psalms only, Right. Uh, I've made it clear I am a Psalms sometimes. We better be singing Psalms sometimes in our corporate worship. We need to sing them. Um, I love singing them. I don't believe we need to sing them only. Right. And when I'm discussing this with someone and they take the position we should only sing Psalms, and I say, yeah, I don't, I, I don't agree with that argument. I don't think that we need to sing Psalms only. I certainly believe priority. I, I love them. I would love to learn the tunes you use. I want to bring them more into my church, more into my family, you know, but I'm okay with, uh, with singing uh, a, a degree of hymnody. And the person goes, the regulative principle says, all we need is the word of God. There is, and anything outside of the word of God is displeasing to him because he has not commanded it. And they just keep saying that principle over and over again. And I say, well, I, I agree with you. The, but what I'm telling, what I'm, I'm, what I'm calling for is I completely agree with you in principle. However, the principle doesn't lead me to the same practice. The disagreement isn't on the principle. And so dare I say, Pastor Michael, it is at these points where the conversation needs it. Now everyone take a drink, gulp. You're never going to hear me say this again. Needs more nuance. <laughs> right, like, Get him the shirt. You got to wear the shirt. Did I tell you, I saw on Twitter somebody just out in the wild wearing oh, a nuance shirt. That's the best. It was pretty cool. Just saw a picture. Somebody just shared a picture. I was like, that's a that's a restless nuance shirt. And, and I get, because of how often um, this is abused, where like for me to state anything on principle, any kind of like black and white statement i obviously we know my distaste for taking nuance is that we like keep explaining it until there's no principle left right like um but there are times where we're going to make an application of a bold like of a of a important foundational principle and to actually get to the point of disagreement we need to do more than state that over and over with as much emotion and as much 
like force as we can. Yeah. You either die a hero in your own mind or you live long enough to see yourself use nuance. <laughs> like that's yeah. that's just part part of growing up. Basically you realize things are more complicated than you think. You and know? so what you have to do is again what you need to the hard work is taking that principle and figuring out where in practice what is breaking down, right? Um now here's the here's the thing that I think actually made people mad. And this is this is potentially when Pastor Michael says, I don't know if 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 Owen has done has handled himself in a way uh to make people think he's willing to attempt to do this fairly. Here's what I think actually made people mad. You have now what what degree have you framed the debate? Um you framed the debate this way. You are with me or you are with the racists, right? And you are framing it in a way where no one on the other side disagrees with you. So what people really don't like is the rhetorical move you appear to have played. Because their answer is, well, we're talking about national politics, where um, Christian principles and morality comes into the national sphere Right. And you're telling me that I don't believe the church is universal to all nations, hmm. right? Like you're, you're saying you're, what you're saying has nothing to do with what we're trying to talk about, right? That is what I think caused people on the other side of this to have such a strong gut reaction to it. Right. There's just this unwillingness to sit down and talk about it. And okay, even here. Let's be a little nuanced. Let's let's try to to think of this in the best possible light from the other side. Maybe they think truly we're dealing with actual racists, like like racists and racism is um, the worst sin possible, right? Like it's this is so far beyond any other sin in the minds of most modern people. Um, which means like there's there's no coming back from it is what I mean, right? There's like you can be redeemed from a lot of sins, right? You could have an abortion and there's most evangelical churches would be like, you can be forgiven. It's okay. If you have a pretty significant uh, racism in your past, there's very little um, desire to, you know, uh, reconcile with you. That's just how things are. I, I'm not, yeah, I just think that that's the case right now. Um, it's seen as probably the greatest sin or one of the greatest sins. If you really think that you're you like you think this truly is like a very vile, evil person to sit down with them or give them an opportunity to speak would be, in a sense, giving them an opportunity to influence others. Right. Like it would be it'd be giving a platform to people who you really shouldn't give a platform to. And we can all agree that there are people that we would not give a platform to because of their sinfulness. Right. Because of of things that they've said in the past. And so um, that could I don't think it is in this case, but that could be uh, one one particular reason um, why you could maybe even legitimately say, I don't want to do something where we come and we talk publicly. Yeah. Uh, but I also see from the other side why you wouldn't want to do any kind of like private chat, right? Yeah. Like you want something where there can be an accountability, where everybody can see what we've talked about, what we've said, because you keep calling us racist and we keep saying, well, we're not that. But you keep saying that. And so how do we how do we even have a conversation? And I think, again, right, and I, I'm totally comfortable if this platform, this who I'm willing to dialogue with, 
I'm fully comfortable with um, if there is if people have different comfort levels, mm-hmm. right? Like we we have people that are are friends with us that I that I won't name simply because I don't want to like uh, I don't want to make them uncomfortable. That like are would be un and maybe uncomfortable that we're talking about this in this way. And I'm not mad at you, by the way. If you, right. hear, I'm not upset that you. I I don't have any problem that you have a differing level. But I I think we, I don't. And again, I I'm uninterested with the actual individual. My primary concern is we aren't going to win. We aren't going to get a W. We aren't going to we aren't going to get anywhere if we do this again. Everybody, if we if we decide this is the if this is the new way we're going to fight, right? Mm. I would be overjoyed. And I think that there is a, a potentially fruitful conversation that if Christian nationalism, which is, I think, again, I think I'm about to say something that might be basically the Baptist perspective on this. If Christian nationalism, because of its infusion of the state and culture with a Christian identity right whatever you want to call it christian prince or these things with what we've seen in christendom in the past that close association between the state and christianity there it's fundamentally damaging to the church mm. and in what ways i think there's actually and the, like at least then you have some history on your side of how this has gone wrong what problems there have been with sacralism what you know like there's actually a conversation to have here that would actually lead to some points of, well, for example, why did the American um, Westminster Confession of Faith eliminate the state's role in certain ecclesial matters? We could actually get to a point where we are having a sharpening conversation, right? But Christian debate, Christian conversation, actually, I think one of the most unique things about it, and I don't remember, I feel like I heard this somewhere. I'm not, this is not out of my head. I just can't remember who to cite. The, the feature of Christian debate and actually what makes Christians good debaters is love is love because what we decide we're going to do is I'm going to make my opponent's argument better by what I'm saying, Hmm. right? I am going to willingly enter in, in a way that will better their position. And then from that point, I'm going to defeat it. I'm going to, it doesn't mean I'm going to give in, right? I'm not going to, grant it right like you can be a but we don't have that happening and so what we have are we have new people in christianity in new people in the reformed churches that aren't going to be willing to talk to each other just like we're going to have new people that won't talk to each other because of thomas aquinas um uh, you know and you can put all of these things together and we're just headed for something um, there's no, there's no future because that's just in the end going to be you and five other people who agree with you. And what's weirder. And again, I'm, I'm, this has gone way too long on this topic, but what's weirder is again, it's going to be you and five other people. And it's going to actually cause you to feel, um, disconnected from your local church. Cause I guarantee you, if you're listening to this and you care about this, if you went and asked 10 people who attend church with you, hey, what do you think about Owen or whatever, or Christian nationalism, or if, uh, you know, whatever, 
they're all going to go, who's that? What are you talking about? I don't care. I've never heard of that. Which means you're going to be disconnected whatever side you're on in this, unless you go to Josh Bice's church, basically, probably. Um, you're going to feel disconnected from the people you actually need to feel most connected with, meaning you're going to be you and five people who care about this one thing on the internet together. And that just... That that's just not a there's no future there hmm. like there's no um there's no strength there there's no like maturity there there's no the the theo bros who go there you know they they die a hero because they don't live long enough to find nuance <laughs> well pastor michael uh should we thank people for listening? If this was your last episode of the Restless Podcast, we'd like to thank <laughs> you for listening. We're um, just trying to bring people together. We want to bring everyone together. We want Restless to be the center. Is that, is that we want to take the center. I'm the peace man. I'm I let me put myself I don't want to take any high ground here, but I'm the Charles Hodge of this all. Just so everyone knows. <laughs> uh we love everybody we love everybody all the time i think i i think i've ended a number of shows now saying that um we just want our debates within uh the conservative calvinist world to be to be more open to debate than tgc's good faith debates come on guys we gotta we gotta outdo that right pastor michael if there's anyone left who wants to be a patron of us uh if we've if we if we have any friends left they should join the patreon we do fun things there um if you only have 10 seconds of time and no money, you could rate and review this show, please, with five stars, because <laughs> we need you. We love you. We, need you. <laughs> we love everybody all the time. This is not restless. Okay, I know you just want to get to the show, but I'm actually here to tell you that there's a way that you can get even more restless in your life. You can do that by going to patreon.com backslash the restless podcast where there are three different ways starting at just $3 a month that you can both support this show and at the same time get even more content at least one extra episode a week and often more not to mention the restless telegram channel that you'll have access to 24 seven to interact with all the other patrons. If you want more restless in your life, this is the way. Go to patreon.com backslash the restless podcast. Okay, back to the show. All right. Love it. So I don't know. I don't know if I successfully accomplished helping people understand the, the collegial way, the seeking to like understand and diagnose. I don't. Yeah, I hope it's good. I just, yeah, I just think most people are just mad and they want to be mad. It's not too different from the conspiracy theory people, right? It's you just want to be mad. You want to be the Martin Luther, the guy who's really standing for truth. You want to be this, you know, kind of picture in your head. And you're not. And, you know, 